Good morning. Um, my name is Adrian Christian. As Leon said, um, I am not anxious, but I do get nervous. I am human. <laughs> I want to share with you today from Genesis. And before I get into the text, I w- I'm curious from everybody, how many of you know about a pinky promise? Remember a pinky promise? Yeah, if you grew up anywhere in the United States, you had that experience as a kid where you would take your pinky and intertwine it with another child, and you would promise. Maybe you would promise that you would be best friends. Or maybe you would promise that you would keep a secret. Or maybe just that you would guard a toy. And some of you afterwards would kiss your hand to seal that promise. In ancient times, during the world of the Old Testament, promises were made in another way. Sometimes people would take their palm and they would put it underneath the thigh of the other person to seal the promise. Other times, there was drinking of blood. And sometimes there was uh, animals that were cut in half and someone would pass through them. Today, we sign a paper. A little bit different. (laughs) Or sometimes we'll hold up our hand in court and we'll put our other hand on the Bible and we promise. And yet, we live in this world today where those promises are often broken. Our experience is one of spouses promising to love as Christ loved the church, till death do them part, or friends promising to stick it out through the end, or presidents promising to make our country a better place. And like we said, often one person might not hold up their end of the bargain. That's our experience. And I think many times we read scripture and we look at God as if he was someone who makes a pinky promise that could be broken. And the story that we are going to read today actually talks about God's character. That he is a faithful God. He was faithful to Abraham, and he is faithful to us. I want to submit to you today that when God makes a promise, he actually keeps it. We're going to read Genesis 18, verses 1 through 15. And then we're going to read chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. So it's a lot of reading, and my encouragement is that you would be able to focus on the story. It's a good one. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre. And while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day, Abraham looked up and he saw three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them, and he bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest 
under this tree. Let me go get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seeds of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. And then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. And then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, Huh, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? And then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. But he said, yes, you did. (laughs) Chapter 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. This is the word of the Lord. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. Genesis 12 through 25 tells the story of Abraham. It's an interesting story. If you have the opportunity to go and read this week, I encourage you to do so. What you're going to notice is that Abraham has a very close relationship with God. And I want to submit to you today that the more time we spend with God, the more we become aware of his presence. We can see, beginning in chapter 12, that Abraham has many interactions with God. He's 75 years old when he gets called out of his native land. And the chapters before this show the multiple times during the journey that Abraham is talking to God. He moves a lot during that time. We see Abraham building altars to God, calling out his name. We see the Lord speaking promises over Abraham. We see this weird interaction, it's a little different, of this priestly king that comes to Abraham and offers him 
bread and wine. And he blesses Abraham. And then Abraham gives him a tenth of his possessions. It is thought that this was the second person of the Trinity that visited Abraham during this time. Abraham talked a lot with God. He was obedient to God, even though he didn't always understand. He also questioned God. Sometimes he argued with God. He begged God. It seems as though Abraham knows he knew God's voice. He knew where to go to meet him. His heart was bent towards God, and he wasn't afraid to argue with him. He had spent so much time with God that even when God showed up in a different way, he was able to recognize him. So in this text, Abraham gets this surprise visit. It says that he's sitting underneath the doorway of his tent, and it was really hot. And as he's sitting there, these, the Lord appeared to him, and then it strangely talks about these three men. And they appear to him, and his reaction, at this point he is 99 years old, is from sitting down, he stands up, and he runs to them. Imagine an elderly man doing that. And then when he gets to them, it says that this old man bows down all the way to the ground. And he says, please don't pass me by. I want you to stay a little while. And then he offers them water. It's really hot. And he says, go sit underneath that tree. There's shade. Oh, and we'll get somebody to wash your feet. And he says, my Lord, your servant. Very interesting, this passage. It makes me wonder... Who were these three men that he was going to respond in that way? And I submit to you today that the Lord was among him. And even though he appeared in a different way, the Lord appeared, there were these three men. He reacted to them in a way that was how we would react to the Lord. No one deserves, we just sing about it, being bowed down to except the Lord. And Abraham knew that he was in the presence of the Lord. He moved quickly. It's interesting because once they say, yes, you can give us these things, he runs to his wife and he says, Sarah, go get the best flour. And he runs over and he looks at his herd and he finds the best calf. And then it's prepared And he goes and brings these men. He's already given them water. Isn't that enough? And he brings milk and curds, the calf and bread. And then he stands by. And I imagine with a huge grin on his face, just so excited that these people have decided to visit him. He knew that he was in the Lord's presence. And he gave them the best hospitality. Today I wonder, would we notice if God was literally standing outside our door? Often I think we are too busy to notice. We have no margin in our day. There's 
too much noise. And the invitation that we have from this story is to follow Abraham's example. You see, he had been 25 years with the Lord, arguing with him, calling him, talking to him, noticing when he came in different ways. He had put altars to the Lord. He had a deep relationship with God, so deep that when he showed up at his door, unexpectedly, he recognized him. Would we? I wonder. How many times is God speaking to us, trying to show himself to us, standing right there, and we miss him? I do believe that as we spend time with the Lord in prayer and in conversation, and in his word with other believers here at church, out in nature, that over time we will become more sensitive to his voice. As I was preparing, I began wondering, what does it look like to offer hospitality to the Lord today? Typically, we don't have these physical appearances of God in our home. Yet, I thought about the story of Jesus with the disciples, and they ask about the final judgment. Jesus tells his disciples that one of the ways that he will be able to tell his followers from those who don't follow him is actually by their hospitality. He says, the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. And I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And of course, the disciples didn't understand, and they asked, Well, when when did that happen, that we did that to you, Lord? And he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. The reality is that God is present with us all the time. And we have the opportunity, just like Abraham, to offer this divine hospitality to those people we come in contact with. And in doing so, we are are offering hospitality to the Lord. We have the opportunity to slow down. And in doing so, we are inviting the Lord to speak to us, but not just that, but for us to actually hear him. I think sometimes we just miss that. My second point today is that God's promises are clear. And we see that in verses 9 and 10. These men, they're eating and enjoying underneath that tree with Abraham. And they ask a question, where is your wife, Sarah? The reality is that they were visiting for this purpose. It had to do with Sarah. Sarah is in the tent. One of the men says, I will surely return to you around this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. This promise was very clear, very particular. In a year from now, your wife, who's probably about 90, is going to have a child. And a year from now, timing was very specific and the purpose as well. 
What's interesting is this wasn't the first time that Abraham had heard this promise. God had told Abraham over and over and over that he would have a child. In Genesis 12:1, the Lord had appeared to Abraham and had called him out of his native land. And he said, I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you. And that you will be a blessing. The Lord said to Abraham that all of the families of the world would be blessed through his descendants. And then the Lord appeared to Abraham again. And he told him that he was going to give him his offspring land. And then he appeared again and he said, look up with your eyes from the north, south, east, and west. All of the land that you see, this will be land of your offspring. And those descendants will be as many as dust on the earth. And then again, the Lord speaks to Abraham. And he says, look up, you see those stars? As many as the stars are in the sky will your descendants be. And it's at this point that Abraham believed him. He had been told about four times, maybe more, but it's recorded about four And the Bible says that because Abraham believed, this was counted to him as righteousness. God then makes a covenant, a promise with Abraham, and this wasn't just a pinky promise. Abraham, it's very interesting, he asks the Lord a question that shows his close relationship. He says, Lord, how am I to know that this will be? And what we see is that God seals the promise. He gets a heifer, and a goat, and a ram, and some birds. And he cuts the animals in half, and then it says that he passes between them. And at this point, God has sealed his covenant with Abraham. Abraham has entered into a new relationship with the Lord. And this was different. It wasn't a pinky promise. It wasn't just a palm under the thigh. God made a promise that he was going to keep, that he would have a descendant. Shortly afterwards, this promise becomes even more clear. And the Lord says, you will be exceedingly fruitful. There will be nations that come from you. There will be kings that come from you. This will be a covenant between you and between me. It will be everlasting. I will be your God and the God of of your offspring, I will give you land, and I will give your offspring land. The promise was clear. And it's interesting because when these three men come and visit Sarah, it becomes more clear. You see, they didn't know the timing. And at this point, Abraham is 99, and he says, within a year, your wife will bear a son. God's promises are not just clear to people in the Bible, but they're clear to us. When I think of some of the New Testament promises that God has made, I think about God promising salvation to those who believe in Jesus. God promised that all things will work out for the good of his children. He promised comfort in our trials. God promised a new life in Christ, spiritual blessing, that he will finish the work that he began in us. He promises us 
peace. And he promises us to supply our needs. And I have to be honest that although God's promises are clear, as humans sometimes we struggle. We struggle to trust (laughs) that what God says is true is actually true. And we can see that with Abraham. You see, Abraham had another son before Isaac, and his name was Ishmael. And it was that he couldn't exactly see how God's promise would come true. I mean, his wife was barren. That means she had not had any children. And it says that she's past childbearing years. That means she had no eggs. Can't come through Sarah. So in his mind, that's not going to work. Maybe God was thinking something different. I'm going to go over here to my slave girl and have a child with her. The Bible also records that Abraham questioned God. He actually laughed at God in disbelief when God said he would have a child by Sarah. Sarah struggles too. We can see it in this passage. Her response, when one of the men says, you're going to have a child in a year, is that she laughs. I would say she's cynical a little, really. I'm going to have a child now that I'm old. And then she goes and she lies about having laughed because she's a little scared. In the Bible, sometimes we teach the Bible as though the Bible is not real. That people are superhuman somehow. And the reality is that Abraham and Sarah, they were normal people just like you and I. They doubted. They maybe gave up some when they were waiting. They believed and they knew God, but sometimes they just couldn't see how he was going to come through with his word. And this is wonderful. If you read the Bible, you start to really love God because how the Lord responded to Abraham and Sarah in that moment after Sarah laughed. Verse 14, the Lord says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Is anything impossible for the Lord? You see, we don't see sometimes how something is possible. We can't see it. And so we respond like Sarah and we laugh. We think, I've been waiting a long time. Maybe for us, we think, oh, I am not smart enough. I don't have enough. How would this work? Or maybe for us here in Atlanta, we look across our city and we see the segregation that still exists. For me, that breaks my heart. Often. We see the hatred. Or maybe we just look within our Christian community and we see the division. And some of us, we throw our hands up and we doubt and we laugh like Sarah. In disbelief, we're cynical. We don't even call out to God. We don't even argue with him and beg him. Or maybe we look at our families and we see the broken relationships with our spouses or our parents or our kids. They seem so dead and hopeless. And we stop praying about it. 
We've lost all hope. Or maybe some of you, you look at your life, and you look at what you've done, and you think, there's no hope for me. I've gone too far. I can't be forgiven. And I want you all to know that God says the same thing that he said to Sarah. He looks at us, even maybe when we can't quite grasp it, and we laugh in disbelief, and he says to us, is anything too hard for the Lord? (laughs) You see, God is who he says he is. God does what he says he will do. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. And that's my last point, that God does what he says he will do. See, one of these men, he told Abraham and Sarah that he was going to return in a year and that she would conceive a child. And in chapter 21, that's exactly what happens. It says that now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. It's very interesting because this translation that the Lord was gracious actually in the original language is like visited. The Lord visited Sarah. He was present with Sarah. He took care of Sarah. He saw Sarah. This is the same verb that's actually used uh, in Genesis 50 when Joseph is about to die and he talks to his brothers and he says, you're here in Egypt and God will visit you. He will see you. He will take care of you. And then when the Israelites are in Egypt and they are in slavery, it says that God visited those Israelites. He was present with them. He took care of them. He would help them out of their situation. And God gave Abraham a son. There's no question that Sarah and Abraham could have a kid. They were old. Abraham's 100 at this point. And it wasn't those days when people lived to be 900. Towards the end of their life, Sarah's womb, dead. And yet, Sarah finds herself holding a baby, a healthy child, the promised child. There was no question that this was God's doing. God had fulfilled his promise, but he had done it in his own timing. They had waited 25 years. Yet God did what he said he would do. It wasn't exactly in the way that maybe they thought, and it happened probably a little later than they thought. (laughs) And I want to submit to you today that like with Sarah and Abraham, God will do for us what he says he will do. The very end of this is great, because we find Sarah with a baby in her arms, and she's laughing again. But this time it's not with disbelief or doubt. I would submit that it actually is about her amazement of what God did. I imagine that Sarah actually didn't understand fully how special this baby was in her arms. 
nor the depth of the promise that God had fulfilled through Isaac. You see, many generations down the road from Isaac, there's this other little baby that would be born, and he is described as having been wrapped in swaddling clothes. He was lying in a manger. He was born to this teenage woman who was a virgin and her fiancé. You see, the Lord had visited her too, and he had done the impossible. The little boy, he grew up to be a young man who preached good news, the good news of the kingdom. And he preached that for anybody who would listen. He was God himself. God made flesh. He was light in the darkness. He brought life to that which was dead. And he proclaimed that anyone who believed in him would not die, but live forever. You see, he promised rest. Jesus. He promised abundant life to those who followed him. He promised secure, eternal life to those who trust in him. He promised those who follow him the power of the Holy Spirit. And he promised that one day he would return and that we would be with him always. You see, he came for those of us who feel hopeless sometimes. For those of us who've given up, he came for those of us who think maybe we've gone too far. He came so that we can have life and have it abundantly. And he offers forgiveness and hope. The Bible says that if we believe that Jesus is Lord and if we confess that God raised him from the dead, that we are indeed saved. It also says that we will be sealed with his spirit as assurance of our faith. Those are promises. And when God makes a promise, he keeps it. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that we can see Abraham and Sarah and that they were normal human beings, just like us, Lord. I thank you, God, that we can see as Abraham journeyed that he had a close relationship with you, and I pray that you would help us to also be sensitive to your presence. God, I pray that we would hear your voice clearly. I pray that you would help us to trust that your promise is true. God, help us to follow you and to love you and to praise you when we see you work. Pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.